Are you a small business owner or someone who has a real interest in building your own brand? Then deep dive into the UP Consulting Group's Business Building Bootcamp, the annual convention and training camp for entrepreneurial spirits. Join us this March 5 and 6 to discover how you can unlock your business potential. Based on the Youngblood column of the Philippine Daily Inquirer, this is the Youngblood Podcast. Stories written by the Filipino youth that inform, empower, and inspire. I'm your host, Leah Angela Shoko. We can't deny the negative impact of living in this new normal ever since the outbreak of COVID-19. It has disrupted future plans, ruined the economy, and perhaps most important of all, it has taken a toll on our mental health. Winona writes about just that, how she has dealt and continues to deal with the anxieties caused by this pandemic in her essay, With Pancakes, I Learned to Forgive Myself. I shuffle through the flour and sugar in the kitchen cabinet, trying to remember the pancake recipe of my grandmother. But memory can be faulty. So I begin by cracking two eggs into the bowl. The anxieties I have been pushing to the back of my mind, online classes, quarantine, and death rates, whisk themselves away as I beat the eggs. I add the milk, then the dry ingredients, until I have a thick batter. Mixing the batter feels like a 5-minute workout for the arms, which is the closest thing I can get to any physical activity. Making pancakes keeps me moving inside the house, and in some way, protects me from catching the deadly virus. Before the coronavirus outbreak, I never bothered to cook. There is not enough space to cook in the dorm where I live in Manila. The single bed I sleep on serves as my sofa and dining area, and the rest of the space is for the restroom and study table. I complain about never having enough time to study or eat breakfast, let alone interest myself in cooking. Now, I can tell the difference between baking soda and baking powder while holding a rubber spatula in my right hand and a mixing bowl in the other. Next, I grease the pan with a cold stick of butter. This old trick makes it easier to flip pancakes. I pour a small amount of butter into the pan and wait until bubbles appear on the surface. I remember when the government announced the lockdown in Metro Manila, I almost stayed behind because of my upcoming exams. The news made my chest tighten with emotions. The pandemic crisis started with panic buying and a face mask shortage in the city. Then, the infected cases began shooting up. When death became a part of everyday conversation, I packed my things and went back home to the province. I flipped the first pancake, which is a pale yellow, then transferred it into a small plate. It needs more time to cook. I flip another pancake, and voila, it has a soft, golden brown top. 
just like how my grandmother did it when I was a little girl. A month ago, I did not pass my online exams, and they were crucial because I'm a graduating student. If I do not pass the removal exams by November, I will be delayed until next year. But it is in cooking pancakes that I learned to forgive myself, to take another spoonful of batter and try again. A chunk of bruised ego would not hurt more than a lump of excess baking soda in a pancake mixture. If the first pancake comes out bad, it does not mean the rest of the pancakes would. I can do better. This pandemic-stricken world, where restrictions are slowly becoming the norm, pancakes give me a sense of control over my life. Unlike exams, there's no right or wrong way of doing them. I can reinvent my recipe if I want to, by say, adding one more egg or a cup of cane vinegar. There is also something to be said about pancakes and the bitterly disappointing realities of life. While I roam lazily around the kitchen, some people can't because they need to brave the world outside, to beg for money, and look for ways to feed themselves. Others grieve for their lost jobs and families. Others labor on the front lines to treat infected patients and implement safety protocols out in the open. Guilt crawls all over my body when I realize there are people who can't make their pancakes, but they can. Pancakes, a childhood favorite of mine, are not as sweet as I had thought. Once the frying is finished, I stack the pancakes on top of each other. I butter the top and sprinkle some brown sugar. The sweet smell wafts through the house taking me back to simpler times. Times when I didn't have to worry about college, the supply and demand of face masks, and a future that seemed so bleak. I cut some of the pancake with my fork, creating the shape of a slice of pizza. I take a small bite and let everything melt inside my mouth, hoping that more people can make pancakes someday to feed their hunger and eventually, to forgive themselves. Winona's essay was published last October 8, 2020. And today, she joins me all the way from Oriental Mindoro as we talk about her love for pancakes, reading and writing, and how engaging in these favorite pastimes of hers provide her a safe space amidst everything. First off, welcome to the Young Blood Podcast, Winona. How is life? How are you? Hi, Leah. I'm happy to be here. I'm feeling good right now. Never been better. That's the spirit. I love it. Thanks for coming. I'm so excited to discuss your essay, which has a very fun and quirky title and a wonderful message overall. But before that, I want to ask you an icebreaker question. Sure, sure. It's a little serious, but you know, don't 
get fussed up. <laughs> if you were guaranteed the answer to one question, you know, the philosophical kind of things, what question would you want to be answered and why? I don't know if you have watched The Grave of the Fireflies movie. It's a Japanese animated film about the story of two siblings trying to survive the World War II. And in the middle part of the movie, the younger sibling asks his brother, why do fireflies have to die so soon? I have the same question. Why do fireflies have to die so soon? I think it's a symbolic question about human suffering and the value of human life in the middle of a war. Somehow, it speaks to me now that we're facing a deadly virus and people are dying. It's a question that keeps you awake at night. Thanks for sharing. That's one deep question to answer and it's a sad movie to be honest. Yeah, I think death really has some level of sadness. Um, But when you look at it in another light, it can also be a good thing. But that's a different story. So now let's hop into your essay. With pancakes, I learned to forgive myself. So first things first, why did you choose writing about pancakes? You know, which can be trivial in the large scheme of things. Um, And how did you write about it? And why did you send it in for publication? Mm -hmm. During quarantine, I struggled with anxiety. And I found it really hard to get out of the bed in the morning. The struggle pushed me to write the essay and share to people how I get through the day by cooking pancakes. I mean, it's just a simple activity, cooking pancakes, but it kept me moving in such a paralyzing situation. And I think it's just a habit for me to submit essays to Young Blood Column ever since I was in high school. I think I just did the same thing. I think I submitted it last September, last week of September, and it got published two weeks after in October. Yes, and congrats on that. So this wasn't like the first attempt and this wasn't the first successful entry it's already my third time to get published the first time i i was published was in 2017 that was three years ago and i was published twice this year i think i have the time to write i guess for this essay it's actually an output from the workshop i attended under miss alia honasan she is an editor and writer from inquirer and she helped me polish this piece yeah and speaking of polishing how many drafts did this essay take and how long did this sit in your laptop i submit the original draft and Miss Alias sent to me the edited piece, and that's what I sent to the young blood. Would you say that having a mentor, having this model writer, helped a lot when it comes to writing essays like this, especially personal essays that really involve your personal life? With your last two essays, did you just do it alone? And what was the difference with working with someone and having that editor help you out versus just working on your own? Yes, I'm glad you pointed it out because. For the last two essays, I only wrote it on my own. Pero for this essay, it's my first time that I had a writing mentor because my course is not really aligned with the communication. So it's it feels really good to have someone to edit your work, to critique your work, and to have someone to ask. I have questions about writing styles, grammars, how can I improve my work? And that's what I also liked about your essay because there are certain lines, certain sentences, certain paragraphs mm-hmm. that can literally be used as quote. Like there's this line about pancakes as a metaphor for privilege. And I want to ask you about that actually, if that's all right. Would you be willing to share how you use them 
as this comparison to the varying levels of privilege and how knowing these varying levels of privilege affected your mental health. Like you mentioned that it caused you anxiety and this guilt, you know. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, It's an interesting way to look at it, how pancakes represent the alternative realities we are facing during these difficult times. Sure, for me, pancakes gave me a sense of comfort and something to look forward to first thing in the morning. This is not always the case, though, because there is a bittersweet reality that cooking pancakes comes with a privilege. Not many Filipinos have the choice to wander around the kitchen, like I did, to mix flour and sugar because their limited resources failed them to do so. Outside their homes, uh, I mean people were losing their jobs, struggling to put food on the table, struggling to keep their family safe. I feel guilty knowing the plight of other people and how I can do anything to help them out. I also relate to you on so many levels. I deal with it differently. <laughs> like, you deal with it by making pancakes, you, you, like you said, which is really cool. I really think that it's important to have this avenue to just distress. And I'm glad that you found yours, which is through cooking pancakes. Aside from this, what other hobbies do you have or do that give you the same level of comfort and personal peace that making pancakes affords you? Definitely writing and reading books. I write stories, essays, and poems, not exactly to get published, but to write for the sake of writing. I believe that writing for oneself allows us to capture our deepest and darkest feelings and during these difficult times it allows us to get to know ourselves more and of course reading books i love reading historical fiction children's stories magical realism fantasy and collection of essays i think one of the most Productive things I did during quarantine is I immersed myself with Philippine literature. I discovered Philippine authors like Carmen Guerrero Nakfil, Nick Joaquin, Russell Mujeres, Erin Kellentrada, and other amazing authors. Because I grew up reading Western literature. So, although it's an enjoyable experience to read authors like Rick Riordan, Roald Dahl, but there's a vague connection between me and the characters. Because there are elements in the story that are not present in our culture, like snowman, homecoming, and the mean cheerleader in school. I mean, I never... UAAP cheerleader. Never <laughs> exactly. Wearing their uniforms. I realized that it's important to read and write stories that reflect our culture and history, to enjoy ourselves, and to keep our national identity alive. Thanks for bringing that up. That's just a noble thing to do. Like, tangkilikin ang sariling atin, and that's what you're doing. So, you mentioned loving to read. What are the books that really changed your perspective, that molded you, and that influenced you to be the writer you are today? My favorite book is... House of Memory by Russell Mujeres. Unlike most history books, he's a historian and a national artist for literature. Unlike most history books written in encyclopedic format, his book contains a collection of short essays. The common impression of students kasi when studying history is, sakit sa ulo, ganon. And ang dami namang memorizations. But when I read his work, his stories, his essays, really appealed to my emotions. And it's not every day that you feel that way when you're reading history. Aside from reading, you mentioned writing. So I want to ask you, how did you become the writer you are today? At what age did you start? 
um, how did you develop your voice? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I started to participate in campus journalism conferences when I was in elementary. That experience made me fall in love with writing. Kahit may medal man o wala after contest, I love the idea of telling stories. Writing is not just a childhood hobby for me. Kaya you can imagine my heartbreak when I took up accountancy in college. But lo and behold, when I was in third year college, I was first published in Youngblood. And it was a major turning point in my life because I regained my confidence to write. And later that year, I became a student correspondent for Inquirer's section, Inquirer to Be You. I, I wrote topics centered on youth, student life, fashion, environment, and social political issues. Congrats, by the way. Thank so you, you brought up having to study something that you're not passionate about. So can we talk about that? I feel like there's something that we can find valuable in, in, in that statement. Because I think you mentioned on your essay as well that all these stress about online classes and school were kind of really ruin your mental health. And I think on top of the hassle of online classes, it's also harder if you're studying something that you don't like. Or at least, you know, you're not interested in. So can we talk about your college life? What was it like? And how did you spend your college years? And what advice do you have for college kids like me at the moment who may be in the same boat? I mentioned in the essay that I failed my online exam around August. It really broke my heart. I guess if it's just an ordinary exam, it's fine. Bawi na lang. Next exam, but I'm a graduating student. And the exams are a deciding factor whether I will be a part of the graduating batch. I was afraid to fail. So it's not yet the final verdict since I still have the chance to take the removal exams, I couldn't find the motivation to study. The thing is, yun nga, I don't particularly like the course I'm studying, so I couldn't help thinking, what if? What if I took my dream course? What if I decided to pursue my passion? Maybe I would not be as lonely as I'm feeling right now. So what pushed you to take up accounting even when you didn't like it? I mean, I think making that decision is very personal. Because I know college is about, you know, studying, getting a diploma, preparing for the mm-hmm. real world. But also it's about knowing yourself. And so when you're trying to study something that you don't like, it's like straying away from the true mm-hmm. or the real you. So what made you decide that it's all right to study something that, that's far from who you are? Though I wanted to write, my parents wanted me to take a practical course. It was a big deal for them. I said they believe that pursuing a lucrative profession guarantees success in life, which is something I do not agree with. I mean, we have different definitions of success. It's just, it's just maybe what I did is to find other activities in school. And although I'm, because I'm really frustrated having no writing subject in my course, every single time that I, we were given a writing assignment, I feel so excited. One time we were asked to write a reflection essay. Hindi siya graded. It's just for attendance. And I would still write intentionally. One time in our theology class, we were asked to write our wedding vows. Kinarir ko din yun. Kasi I just really wanted to write. And yun nga, I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm glad that I had the opportunity to become a correspondent in a national newspaper and at least pursue my passion. So did making pancakes also help you in 
dealing with accounting kahit hindi mo mahal. Well, oh, I, you mentioned pala na you couldn't cook in college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, what was it like? My college life, if I can compare it to a roller coaster ride with ups and downs, peaks and valleys, I aced some quizzes in college, but I also received a single grade. I joined organizations and student councils. Eventually, I found myself looking for activities outside the university. I may not have the chance to cook pancake in our dormitory, but on weekends, I try to attend painting workshops and attend marine conservation programs in Batangas. I spent my college years finding and meeting myself. What about your love life? There's a golden rule in USD. Don't date teacher blockmate. I'm an obedient student, so I I did not date my blockmate. Why is that the golden rule? Like, don't date your blockmate. I mean, it's interesting. And for our listeners who might be considering studying at USD or sending his or her kid to USD, I think this is a good thing to listen to. I don't really know where it started. I think it started as a joke and then it has been ingrained in our culture. Whenever my friends and classmates Mm -hmm. are talking about it, we are in a block section. So the blocks that we are in our first year could be the same block when we are graduating. So when you had a romantic relationship and you broke up and you ended up being classmates, the entire college years would be so awkward when you're together when your teachers and classmates <laughs> are teasing you. I think that's why. And it's an interesting story, by the way. I didn't know about um, USD being <laughs> like that. Thanks for clarifying. Now let's dissect your essay, if that's all right. I have certain paragraphs or sentences that I would like you to expound upon. So I'm going to read them. Okay. And if you could tell us a little bit about the backstory, that would be amazing. So I'm on paragraph 13, which says, But it is in cooking pancakes that I learned to forgive myself, to take another spoonful of batter and try again. A chunk of bruised ego would not hurt me more than a lump of excess baking soda in a pancake mixture. If the first pancake comes out bad, it doesn't mean that the rest of the pancakes would. I can do better. So when did you make this realization and how did you come upon this? It's mentally and emotionally draining to worry about certain things in the middle of pandemic, like the death rates and the possibility of losing a loved one. At some point, it even makes me question myself first because I can't even help myself. I can't help other people. And yeah, I wrote in the essay that it is in cooking pancakes that I learned to forgive myself for failing the exams, for feeling unmotivated, for not pursuing my dream course. Cooking pancakes gave me the time to breathe and to think about other things. I believe that we owe it to ourselves to forgive our own mistakes and shortcomings. We're only humans. But it's important to consider because we talked about feeling guilty because of the pandemic. It's important to consider that we, before we can help other people, we have to look after ourselves first. Forgiving ourselves, prioritizing oneself in the middle of pandemic is not being selfish. It's necessary. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And thank you for bringing that up. Because right now, when the storm just recently ruined lives in severely affected areas, and when COVID-19 really struck the poor, like companies fired, 
people, so many people are now jobless. And so, you can really see na kailangan ng bayanihan. And a lot of those bayanihan activities are performed by the youth, youth organizations, you know, like college kids, like you and me, or even younger, organizing all these donation drives, all these shopping activities to make everything better. And it's annoying, honestly, because because a lot of youths are doing it. Older people or everyone in general is kind of like expecting that the youth should do something. And that's that's really toxic if you think of it that way because honestly, you're not supposed to be, re- you're not required to do that. There's nothing that you should do more importantly than really take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you really can't do anything. Because in class, we had this reflection paper we had to write, what should the youth do to help mitigate, you know, all the problems, all the negativity in the society? And honestly, I just strayed away from the modules because the module said, okay, by any hand, reach out to people, mm-hmm. You know, all that jazz. And I was like, no, what the youth needs is to really know themselves and really take care of themselves and to know what drives them, you know, what their talents and their skills are. Because by knowing themselves, by taking care of themselves, by loving themselves, can can they really put themselves out there? I believe that the young people are doing enough. It just doesn't help that we are raised within a culture that emphasizes resilience. You mentioned the mm-hmm. typhoon, right? Recently, the concept of resiliency has been tackled again. During the onset of typhoons and natural calamities in our country. But that's for another story. Because this kind of upbringing makes it more difficult to talk about our feelings even more. And in connection with what you said kanina, you can't pour something from an empty cup. We have to fill ourselves mm-hmm. more. There's this wonderful quote, people should not be thought to be selfless. It's a very revolutionary and controversial statement. But we shouldn't be selfless in a way that we're empty already and we're just mm-hmm. giving and giving. In fact, we should be full of ourselves, you know, because... I'm gonna relate that to what you said. Now, you can't pour from an empty cup. Exactly. So, you have to be full of yourself. You have to truly love yourself. You have to be the best that you can be, you know, in order to make others feel the same way. Like, you can't give something you don't have. And thanks for, for bringing that up. There's this other statement that I want to talk about. It says here, There is something to be said about pancakes and the bitterly disappointing realities of life. And you talked about this earlier. While you roam lazily around the kitchen, some people can't because they need to brave the world outside, to beg for money, and to look for ways to feed themselves. And others grieve for their lost jobs and families. Others labor on the front lines to treat infected patients and implement safety protocols out in the open. The fact that I can participate in online classes and have access to food and shelter in the middle of pandemic means I come from a place of privilege. This is something I have to accept and be aware of. Not experiencing the same struggles of our countrymen in less advantaged position doesn't give mm-hmm. me the right to turn a blind to their hardships and suffering. I like to use pancakes as a symbol for the spectrum of privilege in our society right now. And you mentioned a trivial thing of about pancakes. It seems trivial, but it's in, we have a saying that it's the tiny little things that count. In the same way, I feel that connection to pancakes. There was one thing that you could change about this essay. What would it be and why? I would like to leave it as it is because I want to preserve the sense of who I was as a writer. Maybe five years or ten years from now, I would look back to this time of my life and this essay would refresh my memory, no matter how joyful or painful it was. 
and hopefully remind myself how stronger I've become through the years. I really like that message of yours um, of, of not changing anything because point at that point when you wrote it, it was your truth. Even when you've had new realizations, you can't invalidate those statements that you made a month ago because at the time they were the most true statements you could come up with. And you know, thank you, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Um, so now I'm gonna do a little bit of an exercise, if that's all right. So I have these questions that are designed to really comfort you in a sense like make you feel more grateful because you know it, it makes you reminisce certain things in a way i hope this exercise will allow you to find the same happiness or peace that baking pancakes or reading or writing affords you okay to our listeners feel free to play along these are 30 questions they're going to be really quick. So the first thing that comes into your mind should be your answer. And we are going to start right now. Number one, what's the toughest decision you made today? Taking a bath. Toughest decision you made this year? Answering the multiple choice exam during the removals. Toughest decision you ever made in your life? Pursuing a course that I didn't like. What have you forgotten? Taking a bath yesterday. If you were guaranteed answer to one question, what would it be? You answered it earlier? Yes. Why do fireflies have to die so soon? What's it like being you right now? You don't want to be me right now. I'm still figuring things out. But I'm happy. We all are. We all are. What makes you nostalgic? Pancakes. If you had two hours left on earth, what would you do? I will read books. What's the most beautiful word in the world? Someone who loves words is really a hard question. Who makes you laugh more than anyone? Haikyuu anime series. What did your father teach you? My father taught me to have a sense of humor. What did your mother teach you? My mother taught me to drink vitamins even if I don't want to. What's the best gift you've ever given? A dog. Four dogs actually. Best gift you ever received? A book. How many times a day do you look in the mirror? Just once in the bathroom. What do you bring most to a friendship? Stories. If 100 people in your age group were selected randomly, how many do you think would be leading a happier life than you? I think we will all live a happier life. We all deserve to live a happy life. What is or was your best subject in school? Literature, even if it's just the one subject. What activity do you do that makes you feel most like yourself? Reading. What makes you feel supported? Whenever someone shares my article online. Whom do you secretly admire? Crystal Mujeres. It's an open secret. What time of the day do you feel the most energetic? And what do you do in those moments? 1 a.m. and I watch animes because the internet connection is the fastest around that time. I agree. <laughs> What's something you never leave home without? Phone. What's a recurring dream you have? I want to enter creative writing school. Last five questions. What makes you feel safe? My blanket. What's the best thing that ever happened to you? Finally graduated from college. What do you want people to say about you once you're gone? I want them to say I wrote a lot of things during my lifetime. What's the coolest thing about science? The more you read, the more you want to know more. Last question. What's the best money you ever spent? Last Aklatan Fair when I bought a lot of Philippine literature books. Oh my gosh, it's so obvious. You're a wordsmith and a writer. <laughs> Thank you for playing along. I super appreciate it. I hope you guys had fun also listening. So last question um, about the actual interview. What advice do you have for the youth who may be struggling with dealing with their emotions? Like what I said earlier, feeling guilty, it's normal. And first of all, it is something I have to 
accept. It is something we have to accept and be aware of. At the end of the day, the question I think that we should be asking is how do we make sense of the privilege that we have? How can we use this privilege to better contribute to society? How can we help those people affected by by the pandemic? We can donate, educate ourselves and other people, or write our leaders, which are the most important ones because these are the people who can implement policies and projects that can provide lasting solutions to our problem. But before anything else, we have to look after ourselves first before we can look after other people. And advice to college kids, I think you asked that earlier. I wasn't able to answer it well. I really can't speak for everyone else since we have different levels of understanding and different personalities. But I'll share what works for me. And it's just simple. That is to dream deep. I encounter these words of wisdom from a Youngblood article. I think this Youngblood piece is also worth featuring in the podcast. It's entitled, Skip Telling Our Kids to Dream High by Daryl Passion. Parang he's a teacher who believes that language can influence our thoughts and behavior. And he's right. Have you read the essay? I haven't read the essay, but I've read actual academic articles about how language affects our thinking, our perception about the world, about ourselves. Um, So yeah, please do tell us more about it. I think the main takeaway of the essay is to encourage children to become a doctor for the poor, lawyer for the unheard, or an architect for the homeless. To live a life of purpose and integrity. To dream deep. I think it stems from the fact that we live in the age of influencers where we are true to believe that a good life is all about glamour and 100,000 likes. We tend to compare ourselves with other people and get blinded by ranking wealth and status in life. I mean, it's not absolutely evil to aspire for financial stability and convenience in life. I'll be lying if I say money has nothing to do with happiness. It has something to do with happiness. What I'm trying to say is, if... What we're doing makes us feel better for ourselves and allows us to contribute to society, then it's great. But if it makes us feel miserable and indifferent to the plight of other people, I think that is something to be concerned about. And although it's hard to accept sometimes, I'll just wrap it up from my essay. The heartbreaks and losses that we encounter in our life Make life meaningful. And it holds more meaning when we create something to honor these feelings. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It can be as simple as cooking pancakes in the morning. Wonderful message. Thank you so much, Minona. Thank you, Leah. It's an honor for me to guess in your podcast. Thank you. Winona Rica-Sique graduated with a degree in BS Accountancy from the University of Santo Tomas. She strives to open conversations about mental health and how reading books helps her fight a long-standing battle against anxiety. Her works have been published in newspapers, online magazines, and websites. (music) 
This has been the Youngblood Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have any suggestions as to which works to feature on our next episodes, please feel free to reach out to us on Facebook or to DM us on Instagram. We're also on other social media platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter, so if you want, please go ahead and give us a follow. We appreciate each and every one of you. I'd also like to thank everyone who's been with us since day one. You guys are the real heroes behind this podcast. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Thank you very much. This has been Leah Angela Shoko. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Hi, everyone. This is Leah again. I hope you're not fed up with my voice. Again, I just wanted to thank you all one more time for supporting the podcast, for listening, and for even promoting it. Like, I'm very, very grateful. This is the best Christmas ever in the sense that I never expected the Youngblood podcast to be running for as long as six months. I swear if you'd asked me six months ago, Leah, how long would this podcast be running for? I'd probably tell you one or two months and then I'm going to stop when school starts. But then people actually supported it. People I cold messaged said yes whenever I asked them if I could interview them. And some people, published writers, even reached out to me personally and asked if I could feature their works. And I never say no, I never say no. And so we're here now, six months since we started celebrating Christmas together. And we're actually growing our team. So we have that big news all planned out for 2021. So stay tuned for that. Once again, thank you very much and happy December and Merry Christmas.